of Jesus. Amen. A little factoid. The Oxford Internet Institute predicts that by the year 2100, the dead will outnumber the living on Facebook. <laughs> if, uh, if you do Facebook, you may know this already. Um, but a person on Facebook, when they die, their page doesn't necessarily go away, uh, but their, fam- their family can have the page turned into a, a memorialized page so that the person who has died or things in their name can no longer be posted, but other people, other people can post things on the page, and of course anyone can scroll through the page, um, even and especially back to the time when the person was still living and posting. I, I did that myself this, this past week. Uh, looked at the, the page of a, a friend of mine um, who passed away about six years ago. It says at the top of his page, we hope people who love Matt will find comfort in visiting his profile to remember and celebrate his life. Like I said, I think he died about six years ago. And the most recent posts um, were six months to a year ago, I think posting on his his birthday, and, and things like that. You can read that, and then again, scroll down all the way to the posts where, where Matt was still, was still making uh, additions himself. The author of the article from which I got that factoid about the year 2100 um, speaks of a rights of doing just that on the, the page of her brother, who died as a college student. She talks about how she, she likes to keep track of the comings and goings on his Facebook profile and see all the different things that, that people post. She, she notes that it's interesting, and this is true of the, the page of my friend as well, that almost everything posted there is in the, in the second person, like addressing the person. So on my friend's page, it says something like, you know, Matt, can you believe uh, that the lions still stink? He was a big, big Detroit sports fan. So, and and um, she says, she says the, the profile it's the part of a brother that, that, quote, makes him feel less frozen in amber. <laughs> like she still has some, some movement, there's some dynamic, some, some connection, fellowship with her brother, and so some comfort. Now it's been remarked, you may have heard this remark, that grief is love that has no place to go. Maybe you've heard that. But it seems that one place that grief is found to go is onto Facebook. And I don't say that to be flippant or um, derogatory. I personally found looking through that memorialized page of my friend as, as, as meaningful, comforting even, to scroll through the things, especially that he had posted once upon a time. Uh, that author of the article, she actually says that perhaps this is kind of a throwback, uh, a throwback to a time when instead, like today's kind of one-and-done grieving, you go to a funeral and then you leave, that this Facebook thing, although with technology, is kind of a throwback to an earlier time when, when grieving was more communal and uh, continuous and, and public. And so maybe it's a, it's a good thing. But Facebook is not the only place for your grief to go. We also bring it here. to The Lord's house on the Lord's day, every, every Sunday, But especially on this Sunday, the day in which we celebrate All Saints Day, the day we think on and remember 
and give thanks for those saints, especially the ones most beloved to us, who now, as we sang, rest from their labors. I say the day we think and remember, um, but I know that some of you here have, have known and know tremendous grief and so never really stop thinking on or remembering those saints we remember today. Um, but we will all, we will all taste those tears eventually. None of us and none of those whom you love, as the saying goes, get out of life alive. And so today is really important. It's a really important day to remember and be reminded and to rejoice that those saints are not frozen in amber and that the connection we have with them is not merely so fictive as an endless scroll through a Facebook page. That connection, the communion, the communion of saints is the churchy way of saying it, is real and true. It is as real and true as Jesus Christ is himself, really and truly risen from the dead. I know I've done the syllogism for you before, but I'll do it again. The living Jesus is with us. He says so. I'll be with you till the end of the age. Those saints who have died, where are they? They are with the Lord. That's the Bible's perhaps favorite and certainly the best way of describing those who have died. They are with the Lord. So put it together. Jesus is with us. Those who have died are with the Lord. Therefore, blessed logic. Those who have died are with us. They're with you. I think that's part of what that great reading, that longer reading from, from the chap, from uh, Revelation, what is it, uh, chapter 7, is all about. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there, but if you just step back in the big picture together, there's two different things that John sees in this, this amazing vision. First, he's given to see this vision of the 144,000. It's the 12 tribes, 12,000 uh, uh, folks each, each of them signed and sealed with the name of the living God. And they're all in battle array. It's an imagery not meant to be taken literally, but it's a picture. It's an evocative image of all of God's people as if lined up in battle. What is sometimes called the church militant. Those who, again, as we sang, who feebly struggle. Who are yet living where the, fierce, uh, the fighting is fierce and the, and the warfare is long in so many ways. And so this picture of that 144,000 is those living Christians, the, the church militant, assailed with temptations, battling, maybe battling grief the most, but strong, nonetheless. Strong because they've been signed and they've been sealed. They've been marked mine by the living God who will never let them, you, soldier of Christ, go. But then quickly, John, before giving us even time to, to, to ponder that and let that sink in, he skipped and this, they said another vision. And this one is just this glorious vision, not, not counted 144,000, beyond counting, all sorts of people, every nation and tongue, all kinds of people from all over the place. These, not just signed and sealed, but now also delivered. <laughs> Before the throne and before the Lamb, and they're clothed in white, and they have these celebratory of palm branches they're waving, singing not the Aretha Franklin song, but Aretha certainly there with them, singing salvation belongs to our God and the rest. And this picture, this is the church triumphant. The picture of those who from their labors rest, whose darkness and drear is done. But then this is the thing. The beautiful thing the Spirit does, the reason these two pictures are sandwiched together is so that you will know that the 144,000 and the great multitude are not two separate entities, but one church. 
One blessed communion, one fellowship divine. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yes, but all are one in Jesus. They with Jesus, Jesus with us, therefore they with us. The one you never stop thinking of and remembering with you. And it's not just this one glorious hymn that we sing. The liturgy is replete with this stuff every single week, this reminder that we are one with those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The Lord be with you, I say. Also with you. (laughs) The Lord be with you, I say, two or three times every Sunday. Now put this together. If I say the Lord be with you, and who is with the Lord? Those who have died who are always with him. When I say the Lord be with you, of whom am I also reminding that is with you? Those saints. One holy Christian church, we confess. Not one up there and one down here, but just one. We pray every week for the well-being of the church of God and for the unity of all. Dear Lord, we look forward to that day when we can uh, touch and smell and hug those who have gone before us, but remind me now, remind me now that there is yet a unity I share with them. We pray every single week, our Father, not my Father. Maybe think of a time Think of a time when you prayed, when you prayed with one of those saints whom you now miss. Maybe you you knelt at a bedside or maybe it was in church or just before a meal. Wasn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you like to pray with them again? Well, today you do. And every time you pray, our Father, you pray with them again. Our Father, theirs and yours, our includes church militant and church triumphant. If you remember singing with them, I can remember singing. What came to mind was me um, singing with my, with my grandfather. He had this beautiful baritone voice. He wasn't much of a churchgoer until the end. He was kind of a C&E Christian. So I can, remember, I can remember singing him next to me, singing Silent Night. He and I sing again together today as we sing. Sing with all the people. All the people. Sing with all the people of God, Gramps and I, those whom you love, you long to sing with again. Today you do with all the company of heaven. Unity, communion, not just frozen in amber. But somehow, Jesus is how, somehow, those saints rejoicing with us, reaching back, reaching over, reaching through, whatever it is, to help us. Maybe those who have trouble singing and rejoicing and praying because the battle's fierce. So much better than Facebook. And not just, not just in that very true sense that they're really with us. Uh, a friend of mine says of Facebook, he says, Facebook is reality with all the forgiveness sucked out. <laughs> reality with everything that needs forgiveness filtered away. If you scroll through uh, most people's Facebook page, even the memor- maybe especially the memorialized page of someone, you're going to see the highlights and beautiful pictures and good times. What you won't see is the time that Joe backhanded his kid, or that Jan got behind the wheel high as a kite. What you won't see are the lowlights. I bring this up because on a day like today, as much as we might be sad about and miss all the things that those loved ones were, sometimes the greatest griefs are over what they should have been, but were not. It actually makes that gospel lesson we always get for, the, uh, for, for this day, the Beatitudes, uh, kind of tricky. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the peacemakers. And now, and if the dead you mourn uh, were those things, thanks be to God. 
and emulate their example. That's one of the things the saints are for. But we won't be so foolish or uh, naive as to think that's all they were or that all of them were any of those things. Maybe the grandparent who you really wished was poor in spirit was, uh, in honesty, more of a blowhard. Uh, The parent may have hungered and thirsted after righteousness, but you mostly remember them thirsting after Jim Beam. Or maybe the friend whose loss you mourn, you know, you wish he'd been a peacemaker, but in actual fact, the guy was a, a veritable war zone wherever he went. What of them? Thanks for them, too. Yes, especially for them. For their examples for us as well. They're examples of the height and the depth and the breadth of God's grace that they needed as much as you do. (laughs) In fact, some of those saints, you might have a hard time forgiving some of them. Maybe they were taken before you had a chance to make amends. But Jesus can and has forgiven them, and someday you will too. (laughs) Even if it's not until you stand face to face and you're half laughing and half ashamed that it's taking you that long. But you will. For none of those saints are saints because of what they've done or left undone. But as the angel preached to John, we and they are those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Lots of places for grief to go. Uh, Some better than others, but the best place of all to bring it is here, especially on All Saints Sunday, when we remember that the dearly departed are not so as departed as it feels. The veil that separates us is so thin if you can't see them, try this. Can you, can you almost hear them? Uh, almost hear them singing. I mentioned that, I, I, uh, that singing with my grandfather I can remember on a, on, a, on a Christmas Eve. But sometimes when I'm up here, you can't see me because I'm, I'm hidden behind this thing. But I'll, I'll close my eyes and almost imagine as if I'm, if I'm singing with them again, him and, and a handful of others that I happen to think of. And sometimes when I imagine, I imagine that I'm almost not imagining that I can actually hear it. As if their voices are sneaking into my ears. And when the fight is fierce, the warfare long. Maybe when the grief is the hardest, you're not sure if there's another day in the cards for you. Steals on the ears the distant triumph song. That may be the best line in the best hymn in the hymnal. <laughs> Steals on the ears the distant triumph song. It's like, like that, that, that they're talking about with I can almost imagine that I'm not imagining, like it sneaks in there. It steals on the ears. It sneaks in this distant song, the rumored triumph, sung by those, those beautiful saints, tiptoeing like a blessed burglar into your ears and your hearts to steal away all the tears and the pain and replace it with hope that because Jesus is risen, death is undone, and that veil, as thin as it may be now, the one that keeps us from hugging and smelling and touching will one day be no more. And then hearts are brave. <laughs> Be brave, faithful warriors, sealed and signed friends of God. Your golden evening, your rest will come too. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. And you and me and saints and triumph and kings and gates and pearls and a countless host and father and son and Holy Ghost. And then just alleluia. And alleluia, and alleluia, 
Hallelujah. Amen.